Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I'm the founder and editor of AmazingSpiderTalk.com, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and I must make clear, Mark, that includes the annuals. They count. Well, good for you, Dan. I'm mischievous Mark Chinacchio, and I'm the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and author of 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and unlike Dan, who just gets obsessed in the minutiae of life. I don't believe that annuals count. All right, Mark. I'm sorry I jumped on your intro there. I was just very emphatic about the the value of annuals. All right. Well, what else What else you want to talk about on this episode, Dan? <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and joining us for the special review roundup episode of the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent, if combative, conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. If you want to learn everything we know about Spidey, why not subscribe to our show starting back with the very first season? Of course, if you want to do so, you can enjoy our show on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or your podcast player of choice. We'd love to have you along for the journey through Spidey's past, present, and future. Just head on over to AmazingSpiderTalk.com for all the details about where to subscribe. Yes, Dan, and today in this episode, we're going to be rounding up our Patreon reviews of The Hunted Storyline in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 19, 19.HU, 20, and 20.HU, also known as Legacies 820 through 821.HU. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, in these issues, Spider-Man is battling his way through Craven and Arcade's Trap and Hunted. We originally recorded these conversations back when the issues were first released for our Patreon audience. And on that note, remember, this podcast wouldn't be possible without support of our wonderful Patreon subscribers, whose patronage allows us to assemble the guests we have on the show and do all the research it takes to put these shows together. So if you enjoy the show and you want to help us continue while getting amazing bonus content like these reviews when they were originally released on our Patreon subscribers instead of several months later, as well as the additional episodes that we never release publicly, check out our show notes and go on over to our Patreon page and consider joining our team. Now let's get to the action. We hope you enjoy our review of Amazing Spider-Man number 19. We are in part, I don't know, 200 of Hunted. It's hard to keep track. These stories all kind of blend together. Uh, we just talked about the .hu issue uh, a short while ago with the Gibbon. Now we're back on the main narrative. But but 
Dan, damn if I'll know where this main narrative is going, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you and I, like, right after we finished our last review, immediately started talking about this. And I was like, no, save it for the show. Because we can't help but, like, express our frustrations to each other, which is like, you know, it seems like every time we get one of these event things, it just spirals so far away from the core plot. It gets so lost in all of these other stories that aren't, the exact opposite of like finding out what we're actually reading. And and I was com- commenting to you, where are Spider-Man and Craven in this story? They both feel like backseat to whatever el- other chaos is going on. I don't know what Peter's goals are other than to get out of there. And I don't know what Craven's goals are. And, and the book knows that we don't know what Craven's goals are. Yeah. I mean, we get this scene between Craven and his son uh, early on in this issue where, you know, Again, you know, I, I used this in our last episode, Dan. I feel like, you know, like Craven's son is playing the role of Scott Evil here, being like, why don't you just take the gun and shoot him, man? You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Like, what is this? What, why, why are we having these, these, these imposter hunters using these robot suits or, or not robot suits, but <laughs> visors with, uh, um, <laughs> magic scrolls magic scrolls magic scrolls um seriously though i mean like it, it, like i feel like this whole storyline is is like a like a, a, a aggregation of like these cool little like ideas like post-it notes that all sound good but nothing is being threaded together in any kind of meaningful way and it, and it's just kind of this frustrating mess where like you said nobody knows what the goals are nobody knows what we're trying to do except to survive that that seems to be you know there's a speech from the vulture here about you know this is this is a a, a battle between hunters and hunted and you know that again that sounds cool like that sounds like a catchphrase for a big event but like okay but what's the actual plot then and we don't know we don't what is the plot of the story dan just carnage it seems you know like just just pure carnage and i i don't mean the symbiote carnage cuz god knows that character could show up in this and then i'll be truly done um, Right. but like you know it just seems like every 5 pages we're getting a new concept added in like you're saying like post it notes you know like even as this issue goes on, it's like, guess what? Now the lizard is a part of the story. And you're like, man, I thought this was a closed loop. And now it's not again. It's like every little bit, we're getting a new thing to distract us from getting to the heart of what is actually going on here. Although I will admit, by the end of this issue, it does seem to be saying like, okay, next issue, Black Ant is going to tell Spider-Man what exactly is going on. Although I don't know how Black Ant is privy to that knowledge when Craven Jr. isn't. Right, right, exactly. Although Black Ant was, you know, kind of, you know, tricked as well. But but Dan, not not to get too off track here, but it's just it, it is kind of funny that you just said you made that carnage joke because quite frankly, I think that's what the storyline is reminding me of, which is driving me crazy. This feels like maximum carnage. And and you know, when you talk about like, you know, the post-it notes and and you know, all these different plates spinning but nothing kind of making sense. It's like, okay, well, you know, we got all these bad guys and then, you know, here's Spider-Man and then here's Venom and then here's Black Cat and here's Captain America and here's Iron Fist and here's Cloak and Dagger and, you know, but at the end of the day, like 
the plot of that storyline for 14 issues was Carnage is going around New York City doing bad stuff and Spider-Man is trying to stop him. And like, like this is what we've been going through now through all these issues and these tie-ins of Hunted. It's, you know, Spider-Man and all of the animal-themed villains are under a dome in Central Park and they're being hunted. That's, that's, that's what's happened. And it's been, you know, if you count the HU issues, it's been what, six issues, five issues? Six issues, yeah, including the prelude. Yeah, so... um yeah, so I mean, okay, so I'm looking forward to Black Ant playing the role of of omniscient narrator here, but like, this is there should be more to this. But like, like, why is Shush here? Why is the lizard here? What is Black Hat and Billy Connors? What's going? I mean, again, that was a fun scene with the with the with the 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 bad luck powers and getting the keys. Like, like, like again, these are cool things, but like. In the in the context, so where are they going to go now? Like, what 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 what's like? Are they under the dome? Are they under the dome? I think so, but but even that's inconsistent because in the previous, like, in the first issue of this story, I guess, uh, you know, issue seventeen, Craven had them in like a luxury suite because he wanted them to feel comfortable, despite the laser grid that he had at the door, you know. But in this issue, we open it up and they're in a cage somewhere. It couldn't be more the opposite of what we've been told. Yeah, it's just uh, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, how much credit do you give the book that it at least has the sense to have Craven Junior. call out his father and his plan for making little sense? Like, I I'm growing frustrated and he's growing frustrated, but I don't really know that that helps me feel better. Well, that's it. I mean, like, okay, it's nice that they they kind of acknowledged it, but then you know, why didn't they just do something about it? Like, this would have been. The issue to start start unveiling that plan. Well, the, the time to start unveiling that plan, frankly, was three issues ago. I mean, again, I'm not saying tell us everything, but what is what are we trying to accomplish here? And and we just don't know. And 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 yeah, I mean, having a character kind of call him out for it is kind of a nice nod to the fact, like like yeah, what is going on here? But yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't because we don't answer it. So what's what's the point? <laughs> I want to kind of tr- like be able to connect the dots a little bit more than I can. You know, like when when he's answering his son about like his questions about his motives. You know, he looks at the screen and sees Spider Man and says like, you know, I'm not ready yet to get in- involved. You know, so the implication is probably like he's getting Spider Man to a certain point where Spider-Man will, like, have to kill him or whatever, because we've kind of surmised that that's one of his goals, I guess, right, is to get died by Spider-Man's hands in the Grand Hunt or whatever. But I don't know how anything that's going on in this book is moving Spider-Man towards that point. And maybe that's good storytelling that I can't guess what's happening, but it feels so loose to me. I want to be able to, like, feel that tension rising, you know, like... I, w- I want to know, like, at least a few issues ahead of time that, like, oh, my God, things are lining up and Spider-Man's really going to have no way out of this instead of just being sprung on me. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, we get we get this nice callback to what happened to the Gibbon in the last issue. And, and again, that could be a moment of, like, true, like, you know, it could be like a, a defining moment for Spider-Man here. But I don't quite get that because, like you said, Spider-Man himself, Peter himself, he's kind of absent from this book. You know, like he's physically there, but he's not there. And the bits that we do get with him is him piecing together material that we, the audience, already know. 
right? Like he's putting together who these hunters are, they're robots, etc. But we know all that stuff, and he's eavesdropping and finding out that the like it's people remotely with visors on. You, you know what I mean? Right. And it's like we already know that stuff uh, about this. Right, right. And the visors give you headaches. Is that is that so? You know, obviously there's something going on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious at this point, right? I mean, like, there's some other devious thing going on with these headsets. I don't, I, I don't think anybody will call us Nostradamus for guessing that. But then, what's the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, so, like, Craven's got everyone under his thumb, and I, yeah, I, like, I don't want to guess because it's like, it's, yeah, I mean, like, we, we, we know that we do know from the very beginning that Craven needs to die at Spider-Man's hands to be kind of free of this burden but like you know the path to get there is really i mean we're 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 talking about taking the long way there i mean like like it's got to be a faster way to get there than this i have a few theories about how this might start to come together based on what we're reading in this issue i want to get to them in a minute after we talk about kind of the other bulk of this issue which is spider-man kind of finding these arrows which turn out to be v's for the vulture, because that's obvious. <laughs> yeah. If I was a villain, I'd look, oh, V, that must mean vulture. I was kind of bummed by this, too, because it's like, I've been seeing these Vs everywhere. And I was like, well, I don't remember him seeing Vs <laughs> everywhere. Like, I guess he's seeing Vs everywhere now. Um, so, right. So, Spider-Man follows the Vs and finds the vulture and a bunch of other, like, villains and other animal-themed people. I'm remiss to say villains, because I have to say, I was very thrilled to see Razorback, good old <laughs> Buford Hollis, reappear here. And he's certainly not a villain. No, and and, and and Spencer better not kill him off, because Jason Latour, he's got work to do with Razorback. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm counting on you, Jason Latour. You give me my barbecue eating scene with Razorback and Spider-Ham, and I will love you till the end of time. <laughs> but anyway, you were saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, what did you think about this like whole thing with Vulture kind of lying about the Gibbons' death in order to get everybody on his side? I mean... I, my guess, I mean, I, I liked how it was written because Spencer kind of gives the Gibbon like a level of gravitas his death didn't really have, you know, right. in, in the way that Vulture describes it, because it's like the Vulture kind of like inserting himself into the Gibbon's role and covering up his past. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 funny. Like I I, I was thinking the same thing and 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 kind of going to to my earlier point about cool ideas maybe not just being stitched together right but like yeah that whole sequence with the vulture like it to me it was it was kind of funny it gives it it, it gives some gravitas to the gibbon but it's it's there's a lot of humor to it in terms of how the vulture is <laughs> describing given describing him and and you know like we we haven't really had vulture written like that in a while in terms of having some real character and well i mean dan slot admittedly hated the vulture never liked him as a villain so we have not had a true vulture story since probably what the gauntlet yeah i mean we had like the one where he was like the head of that gang of kids which is definitely not the volturions no no but that's right but like I said, like 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 to me, like Dan Dan Slot Vulture almost doesn't exist because he didn't like writing the character. So even when he had to write the character, you could just tell his heart wasn't in it. Like I mean, Slot has given interviews where he's talked about how he just didn't like the Vulture. 
um, which is fine. I mean, we all have our we all have the people we like and don't like, right? I mean, you know, like, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, but like, I feel like we haven't gotten a fully fleshed out vulture story in in eons. So it's nice to kind of have this character having a moment here because it kind of like it's like being reacquainted with an old friend and you know seeing this kind of conniving, <clears throat> really you know manipulative character doing his thing it's like oh yeah i mean there's a reason why the vulture is in the upper pantheon it's not just because he was one of the first ones created by dicko and lee so i appreciated this moment a lot but again like like it just seems like now here's another subplot like i said now the vulture's got an army and you know spider-man is trying to kind of fight it but then he also realizes, ah, I got, I got to work with these guys. And they're even like, ah, we got to work with, like, like that was the other thing. I feel like, like, like the vulture kind of concluding, no, no, we got to work with him kind of came too quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, it, there was still no proper build to what should have been like the main, one of the main turning points of this storyline, which is the villains basically agreeing, no, no, he's with us too. Like we're all together. Like there was no proper build to that. I still felt like Spider-Man was a little bit on the outs. Like, they're like, it's not worth killing him, but, like, we're not really going to team up with him because we don't trust him, ultimately. Yeah. And I-, I thought there was a good payoff for the Rhino thing, where the Rhino attacked Spider-Man because he, you know, he was betrayed by him during that, you know, story a few issues back. And I thought that was a nice kind of follow-up to that. Now, this is where my theory comes in. You know, the end of the issue, we get Black Ant suggesting that there's something else going on with the robots that we don't know about. And I think, obviously, what he's going to say is that, like, there's something, you know, going on with the headsets that we, you know, have kind of surmi- surmised. Like, something not, you know, on the surface. Mm-hmm. And, my, and, and he stops Spider-Man from destroying one of the robots, which is a weird thing to tell him to not do if it's just a drone. Do you, right. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So my suspicion is that these robot, um, you know, drones are are more than that. That if you kill the drone, you kill the person operating the drone as well. And so my feeling is that ultimately the story is going to come between Spider-Man being in the middle of the animal characters and the hunters. And that, like, this third tier will have to come in. It's not the hunted versus the hunters. It's that, like, really all of these people are being controlled by someone grander than them to kill each other off. And that we're all just pawns, hunter or hunted, in a larger scheme of, you know, like, some higher authority figure just turning two people against each other. Do you understand what I'm getting at? No, I do, I do. Um, and again, it, it's like okay, that's a that's a cool concept, but what? Wh- how does that help Craven achieve his goal of dr- dying this noble death at the hand of Spider-Man? You know, and being free of this. You know, like 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 I said, you might be right, and I, I it's makes sense, and it's I think that that the the groundwork for that has been laid to a degree, but I still don't quite get why. Why, why, why are we going through all yeah. this, you know, and, 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 and what is, how is that payoff going to make me as a reader feel satisfied that, that, you know, this is all just some kind of grand scheme from Craven just to cause chaos? Cause that's not Craven's, Craven's MO. He's a methodical, strategic character, not, not an agent of chaos. And that seems to be what this is, this, 
this world he's created is 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 doing right now. I mean, if this was the Jackal or if we were in Batman universe, the Joker, it would make sense to me. But this doesn't make sense to me from Craven. Yeah, and if I had to guess on that too, I, I would like say it's something like Craven is trying to like break the wheel. Like I, I don't think the groundwork has been done for this, but like early on in this series, Craven suggested that like he can't just go kill all these hunters. He needs to make a grand spectacle of it all to suggest that people should not act the way that they acted. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he's like, I can't, I can teach all these people to not do this or I can kill them all off, but they'll only be replaced by someone else. And so I think maybe ultimately his final play is to show that even these hunters are ultimately prey to something even grander. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that That's my guess. I mean, if I had to guess where Spencer, with a statement that Spencer's trying to make, do I think the groundwork has been laid for that? Only in so much as, as I can guess that right. and probably ultimately be proven wrong. But I'm not feeling that right now. Yeah. I, 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 well, I think that's the key part of your statement right there. It's It's, yes, you can guess it and you might even be right, but is it earned the way it should be earned? And as of right now, no, right? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, so let's. Fo- I want to follow up. There's a nice moment, though, between the black cat and Billy as they're trying to escape. Billy is, like, horribly scarred by the situation he finds himself in and watching a snow leopard maul a man to death right, right before his eyes. Although, granted, Billy has also watched himself be eaten alive. True. Uh, so, I mean, you know, fun times being Billy... Uh, Billy, Billy Connors, kid, I guess. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I thought it was really great this kind of touching moment where the black cat kind of like levels with him and it's like, you know, my father also wasn't really there for me, but I knew that he like meant well and trusted that I could kind of do it on my own. And I thought that was kind of a nice kind of pep talk from her that felt really in keeping with her character. Yeah, I mean, um, black cat's been pretty great through this whole story in terms of her characterization um, would like to see more of her in a more meaningful role in terms of everything else going on, I guess I would say, I don't know. I mean, or, or not, maybe this, this is a fitting role. I mean, it is kind of, you don't see black cat being motherly or nurturing ever. So, I mean, it is kind of nice to see that layer here, even if it's kind of against her will to a degree. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course we get the sudden inclusion of the lizard which I thought was like a really fun giant splash page um, with like Gerardo Sandoval's art. Like the lizard is pretty creepy looking. Yeah, I mean, and 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 Taskmaster is is kind of really like larger than life here as well. And and I'm sure in that HU issue, we're going to get the full story of how Taskmaster was able to capture the lizard of all creatures, right? Yeah, I imagine so. Um, it's funny uh, because I thought I might have access to HU issue early because when you register the digital code for this issue, it comes up with the cover of the HU issue. Oh, wow. huh. So I thought for a second there that I had actually downloaded a future issue <laughs> by some weird fluke. Um, but that was not to be. So I got really excited about that for a half second. Okay. I want to pivot to uh, the artwork here because, you know, this is classic, another event in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man where they've advertised one artist doing the whole book who just 
doesn't end up doing the whole book for whatever reason. And that's not a slight on Ramos. I'm sure it's very hard to keep up with this high level of turnaround. But I have to admit being a little bit disappointed that, like, I mean, I would be totally open to delaying stuff like a week or two to have, like, a, like an all-time book like that would sit on my shelf with consistent artistry throughout. Not that I don't like Gerardo Sandoval's stuff. Yeah, but it's it's funny. I mean, you just you you basically kind of answered my question there, Dan, because I was like, "What's the solution then?" I mean, is it that we need when we do these events, do we need to back down the pacing of these books? I mean, I think with the HU issues, you certainly could. I mean, like we're getting a book every week. What's another week or two in between the books when you you know they have the padding already built in right there? Right. I mean, of course, the flip side of that is with if you know, given the 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 pacing of this story, I mean, could you imagine? us talking about these issues if you know they were three or four weeks apart from each other and we still are at the point that we were with the story i mean we might be going crazy at this point it's true it is nice to have a little bit of gas so i mean what what did you think of gerardo sandoval's art i mean last time i read him was like when he did that like short-lived run on venom yeah i mean like you said i i, I like the splash page with lizard and taskmaster I mean, some of the stuff in the jungles were fine, but I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you know, like, I mean, you're a bigger Ramos fan than I am, but even still, I kind of like have come to appreciate Ramos as, as one of the, the top tier modern Spider-Man artists. So like, you know, it, it feels like an event when he's there. Um, and so when it's someone else in the, in the midst of it, it kind of feels like a letdown. I, I, you know, like I, I felt the same with, this, the arcs that Otley was working on when we stepped down to somebody else, even if it is Ramos. Like, I, I like you know, like you, I want to see consistency in the art, especially within the same arc. So it, it, it's not necessarily a knock on Sandoval, but like, it's not, it doesn't feel, it, 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 it takes a storyline I'm already kind of getting frustrated with and kind of adds another layer of, of losing its luster when it, when you're switching artists around like this. I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, I think he's good at capturing movement on the page and really monstrous designs for characters, but his, you know, out of costume work leaves a lot to be desired. And like, that's the place I'm looking for the most information now. Like the scene between Craven and Craven Jr. It's fine, but like, I need everything that I can get out of Craven because he's been largely absent from his own story. And so to have those be like rendered by someone who doesn't do as well with out of costume characters and big action moments, it was like, you know, this is an issue of a lot of talking heads, you know, and uh, and I felt like Ramos might have been able to put a little more subtlety into it, um, you know, but it is what it is. You're right. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. We've got, what, an, another issue next week, and then, good, we're going to get the Black Ant, you know, revelation that m- is going to move us, I imagine, you and I into a, a place of liking this book a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, 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 we shall see. Want to do some grades? Yeah, sure. I'm going to give this one a C plus. All right. I'm 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 actually going to go a little lower, Dan. I'm going to say C minus and and I think this is kind of my statement, my statement grade. Not you know, again, there's some bits here that I like, but I I I need I need to know the plot now. Like and I'm 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 not going to budge from those kind of grades until I start getting plot like, you know, things more spelled out. So hopefully this is the last time I have to say that. <laughs> Put your foot down, Mark. I'm putting my foot down for the Five people that listen that might make a difference. I don't know.
Dan, I want to thank our patrons on Patreon because without them, we would have never gotten that awesome review. But fear not, listeners at home, because there's more where that came from. Let's get into it. Our review of Amazing Spider-Man number 19.HU. This is, of course, uh, a lizard-focused issue. And, um, you know, once again, the the, the trend kind of continues with these very tightly spun one-offs with these different sidebar characters. I mean, these are good little character studies, Dan. What do you think? I totally agree. And I I think they're well-matched with art. And they really showcase Nick Spencer's uh, flair for all the supporting cast and villains in Spidey's life. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you know, we got uh, Chris Bacalo is back on the art. And, of course, he was the one that did that very big lizard shed story back in the day, right? He was the artist on that, if memory serves. Yeah, absolutely. So they seem to kind of, like, just keep bringing him back for lizard stories. Although we got the, you know, that kind of one shortly ago that had the lizard in it, but was more of like a rhino kind of tail, I guess Ned leads as well. But um, yeah. for me, this has been the most natural fit for the guy yet. Yeah, yeah. And and we even get like some references to Shed here in the beginning. I mean, this is an interesting narrative. I will say if I did have some kind of overarching uh, criticism of it, I, 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 I did kind of feel like the punchline was apparent kind of early on, and yet they kind of kept leading us down to make us think that maybe there would be another twist to it. Uh, that kind of seems to be a story, a, a problem with Hunted as a whole, that the punchlines seem to be a little too obvious, right, Dan? Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit more when we get to talking about Amazing Spider-Man number 20, but I, I thought there was some, still some good, like, you know, twists here. I, I think the the stuff with, like, Kurt's plan of being, you know, kidnapped and, and sneaking in, yeah, that was obvious, but I have to admit, I did not guess that the opening of the book was Vermin, I thought that perhaps there was really a kind of um, twisted alternate side to the lizard here where he was like on the side still like eating people and doing all these things. And, you know, I'm sorry, Kurt Connors, for, uh, you know, my faith, you know, uh, you know, waving on you. He's still a good guy. I thought that was a nice little twist. Uh, You know, I guess it's a Craven story. So now Vermin has to show up, uh, which right, right. I don't know how I feel about that, but I didn't feel so insulted by it in this issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I did appreciate the little meta humor from that, uh, from Arcade here. But, you know, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the Lizard's characterization here, though, because it's like this, this does feel like a different kind of Lizard, but also kind of a, a natural evolution, like, like, like there's... First of all, like I, I, I kind of appreciate how the lizard here is, you know, physically. I like he seems a lot more physically imposing uh, and stronger, and kind of like you know, like almost like not quite the Hulk uh, level of power, but like I mean, there's like this like this is really like threatening presence to him in this book uh, when he's kind of being brought in brought in by Taskmaster. Uh, that's I'm not used to seeing with the lizard. I mean, I always kind of feel like the lizard, what kind of makes him such a unique Spidey villain is the fact that he's Kirk Connors and Spider-Man kind of has to pull his punches a little bit, even though the lizard is quite strong. But this this kind of brings the, the lizard out as almost being really powerful, right? Or am I, am I just over-projecting here? Well, he can't really physically hurt someone, although there is a moment in this where he uses his strength in, like, quote, defense... But I, I, I like that there's this kind of almost like more Hulk-like thing between Kurt and the Lizard and his kind of physical 
imposing nature, even though you can't really use it. It's a a, a smarter dichotomy than I think we typically get for the character. And, you know, it gives him a bit of a visual edge. And I I like this kind of, like, anti-hero lizard. It doesn't really shy away from Kurt's darker side with him, like, say, in this issue, poisoning the Taskmaster. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it still embraces that he's, like, a good guy. This is the guy that has healed Spider-Man on a number of instances. I like this change for the character. Yeah, and I was about to say, the other the other part of it was more of the of the personality. I mean, there was a physical element, but, like, yeah, like you said, like, the, the whole plan that he concocts with Taskmaster here, there's a deviousness to it, but not necessarily, like, an inherently evil side to it. Like, like you said, more of an anti-hero, which is not something that you're, that we're used to seeing. I mean, like, I, I would almost, like, suspect this in a, like, a Venom plot than a, than a lizard plot. So, I kind of appreciated that wrinkle to the character. It's, it's like, you know, if we're going to get a a lizard-centric story, I, I would love to get some new wrinkles to the character, and I feel like this, this issue satisfies that, you know, scratches that itch a little bit. Well, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, Nick Spencer, like healing, you know, characters throughout his run. And, you know, I don't know that the lizard needed to be completely healed. I think he's done a lot of very weird things over the past few years under Dan Slott's pen. But I, like, I think, know a lot of people felt really betrayed by the characterization of him in Shed, which essentially asserted that Kurt Connors was a bad person. You know, it wasn't just the lizard taking over. It was that he had, like, lizard-like characteristics before he turned into a monster. That he was this kind of, like, you know, person that would eat his own and, and was only interested in himself. And I never really thought that about the character. And here, I feel like this story kind of edges somewhere in between in a way that I found kind of healing for the character. That, like... Yeah, Kurt's a good guy, but he still can operate deviously and use his science to his advantage, you know, which is essentially what turned him into the lizard in the first place. So, you know, he wanted to cut corners. And so I I think this is like kind of a a, a more accurate representation of the character. And I think Shed was the last time we truly had an issue from his perspective. And and here it's like, okay, no, this is a perspective that seems more in line with what I think the characters like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, even beyond, like, modern Spider-Man writers, I feel like, like, Lizard is just one of those characters people have struggled to write almost since the beginning. I mean, I feel like, you know, when the character was conceived by Ditko, it was kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde character. And even then, if you, if you know, memory serves, he was introduced in issue six and then kind of just disappeared for a number of years until the Ramita run and that he came back. Um and I just feel like over the years, people have kind of like struggled with this idea of like trying to like trace the same old ground with Lizard. And then, yeah, I feel like more recently he just got pushed into very extreme directions. I feel like this is a really solid recalibration. Um, I mean, maybe not necessarily a healing per se, but like you said, it's it, it's 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 playing with these ideas that, you know, how much is Kurt and how much is the Lizard and, and not necessarily like making Kurt out to be this bad person like you said it's 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 I, like I said these are these feel like subtle shifts but like I feel like in concert with each other it makes overall a whole like a really interesting character that I like I, I'm very interested to be reading about the lizard I've not been interested in reading about the lizard in a long time that's I think that's the the, the upshot of what I'm babbling about here yeah and i like this whole idea of like they were leaning more into like the science aspects of the character more than like kind of the animalistic nature like for me the defining lizard issue is amazing spider-man 350 
where it's very much like kind of like a Hulk thing. It's like when he's a lizard, he's a lizard and there's no Kurt, you know, left unless, you know, really baited by his son or whatever. And here is the opposite. It's it's kind of Kurt all the time. Uh, and, and I find that really kind of exciting to see like what Kurt can do with, you know, whatever he is actually gaining from being a lizard looking person. Yeah. Yeah. I really like how this issue has kind of operated as Nick's like a a little bit of a summary of Nick Spencer's run, or at least incorporates elements of Nick Spencer's run into it. Hunted in many ways, it seemed like the kind of like, uh, it's the book report after the year of work, you know, it's, it's, it's slowly fitting in all the little things. Um, and, and here we get the, um, the bar with no name from those boomerang issues that reappears as the pop-up with no name in, um, (laughs) in like East market or whatever. Uh, I thought that was really really clever and and kind of kind of fun but uh yeah I, I i think there's a lot of little details here that are, are are fun to enjoy it's a great example of nick spencer writing like these little characters well off on the side um i don't know that i buy in regards to any of the characters since that arcade would know that vermin is related to craven's last hunt in some way i don't know if like craven sat down and was like okay arcade there was this like rat man that needs to be a part of this. (laughs) Yeah. But I wasn't offended by Vermin's inclusion here. I just feel like he's just such a weird thing to resurface to. He wasn't really the draw of Craven's last hunt. And I don't know why we keep needing to have him back. I I, I agree with you. I mean, I I almost like, it's funny. Like I, I I think of Vermin more as like a J.M. Demetrius character than a Craven character like you know like if if maybe JMD was coming back to write a story and they wanted to bring Vermin in like I'd be like oh okay and that and they're being meta about that because if you think about it like I mean those are those are all JMD stories where Vermin kind of found his place in Spider-Man I mean it was and I think even Vermin was brought in during JMD's run on Captain America right I think as as yeah so I mean you know, maybe maybe we're we're being a little too too pointed. I mean, that's it's funny you're talking about kind of the summation of Spencer's run here, and like you know, and I don't mean this to like throw shade at him, but like you know, I think the other thing that Spencer has a tendency to do, kind of sometimes to the negative, is he's just a little too cute sometimes. And this is, I think, that was an instance of being a little too cute. He's 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 been cute with Arcade a lot throughout the throughout this arc, but. Um, but like you said, it wasn't offensive. It was just kind of like, uh, you know. yeah, I, I, I was expecting tiger shark to show up and, you know, yeah. I guess we're not going to really uh, go down that road. So, you know, I want to circle back to the first thing that you said and, and kind of use it as a you know bridge here. You mentioned that like the twist was a little too obvious. And one of the things that I didn't buy about this issue is that, you know, lizard poisons taskmaster and says like, you know, you have to help me and I'll give you the antidote or you'll be like dead in 24 hours. Okay, cool. But Taskmaster says, like, you alone would not be enough to get Arcade to open the door, you know. Uh, And so, you know, he's like, but, you know, there's, you know, we can get Tiger Shark and sweeten the deal. And Tiger Shark turns out to be Vermin. And okay, that's fine. So they offer Vermin to Arcade and he says no. And then Taskmaster zaps Lizard and says, but what about the Lizard? And it's like, but wait a minute, Taskmaster, weren't you the one that said Lizard wouldn't be enough? And then ultimately the Lizard is enough. So it was like, why did we go on this journey in the first place if the Lizard was going to be the thing that was open sesame? Uh, It didn't make a lot of sense to me. That's true. Yeah, I don't got an answer for you. I mean, maybe that's it. (laughs) What do you think about Bacalo in this? I know we kind of complained a little bit about him and... 
a lot of his kind of jumbled artwork and things from the previous issue and you know not the previous issue but when he was doing issues a couple issues back what do you think about him in this one yeah well like you said uh, at the beginning i mean i think i i feel like the lizard is a strength of his and and yeah i i i really enjoyed the art in this issue um you know i mean like all of these point ones the art's been pretty pretty solid i mean i i i but like yeah no but i i again like i i feel like when we were talking about the lizard's kind of hulking presence here i felt like like the art obviously added a lot to that i mean there was this i felt like taskmaster looked great in this issue too i i i i really have a soft spot for taskmaster as you've probably i'm beginning to up. pick up on that yeah, I, I I just really enjoy him as kind of a a, a unique character because I just I, I love I love the skill set I love I love the power set with him and and kind of like the 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 malleability of that and kind of how he's 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 beatable but at the same token like can always find a way to get an edge over other people which makes makes him kind of l- lingering around makes sense but um, but I also just like the look of the character and I feel like like. You know, yeah, Bacalo gives them both justice. I mean, I, I I feel he was a lot more comfortable in his own element, I guess you could say, doing this issue than maybe some other previous ones. Yeah, I, I don't think he's ever really nailed Spider-Man and how Spider-Man looks on the page. So it was nice to get an issue without Spider-Man in a way. And um, yeah, I agree with you. All the character designs are great. And I think his paneling is a lot more reserved here. And I, I remember when we were talking about him before, there was that page with like five panels on it and the white background that like dominated the entire page. And it just looked unfinished. Whereas like here you have these great, you know, like, uh, you know, tableaus that fill the background of these panels and little panels filling them up. Like um, one is like the lizard, like, perched on the edge of a building and another one is like the lizard's mouth eating all the panels and i thought that they were just so much more cleverly constructed and looked finished it seemed like he had more time to work on this issue than maybe perhaps he had time to work on the other issues and it showed there were never like any panels that went super close up and were confusing to me it's like he was on fire here in the way that i expected you know from him in books like dr strange when he was doing really great stuff so um, yeah, I, I'm giving thumbs up on Bacalo. Excellent. Well, you wanna you wanna give a grade on this issue, or do you got anything else you want to touch? No, on I, I think uh, this one for me is like it's like a B. Yeah, I was gonna say B or B plus. I'm gonna go B plus because I I did like it. I mean, even with the even with the kind of predictable twist to it and the kind of confusingness to that, but like you know, this is these I, I like these point these point one issues. These are these are solid. I, I'm honestly liking these more than the main narrative. So uh, we can we can talk about that uh, in our next in our next episode. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, honestly, like if they did away with other B titles on Spider-Man books and the B titles were just this, like supplemental material that reinforced what's going on in the main story, I would be so much more enthusiastic about that. But I know someone like Nick Spencer probably couldn't keep up the uh, routine for that long. I mean, the quality is really, I think, because he's writing both of them. Uh, yeah, agreed 100%. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's and, you know, credit to that, too. I mean, like, he's, while we're having some issues with the main story, I mean, like, he he's, he's, doing double duty here with these stories and it's 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 you know at least here it's really paying off i don't know anybody else who's putting out a book four times a month yeah i mean that's that's astounding (laughs) mark we love those dot hu issues i've started calling 
everything in my life dot hu. When I'm like eating dinner, I'm like, man, this is really good spaghetti dot hu. It just it's like that extra spice that makes everything sweeter. See, I would have thought the hu is like the Parmesan cheese on your spaghetti. Like I, I like the the spaghetti is good, but spaghetti dot hu with the cheese on top, it's just like that nice little extra three ninety nine that you're spending. The cheese are point ones. Dot hu is like the crushed red pepper flakes. Oh, okay, that's good. I like this. Okay, <laughs> I want to be. I want to be clear. If we can spin this show into talking about food, we're gonna do it. Yeah, I haven't had a good Canadian bacon riff in a while, Dan. <laughs> no, no. Let's keep it short because um, while hunted might be done, we still have more to talk about. So let's take a look back at how it came to a crest with issue number twenty. <laughs> And we are in the fourth chapter of the Hunted story, although we're also like, I think we're in the eighth issue with Hunted included in the title in some way. (laughs) So, I mean, you know what? Pick your battles. I'm going to say the fourth one. And here we are. And Mark, you and I, I think the book started strong. We've liked the .hus. It's kind of like langered in the other issues, but here we are to talk about issue 20. We thought, okay, the end of the last issue, Black Ant is ready to reveal what is at the heart of Craven's plan. And this was going to be the issue to do it. Mark, what did you think of Amazing Spider-Man number 20? Yeah, I mean, outside of kind of, you know, answering a plot point that you more or less predicted months ago, <laughs> um, yeah, I, this is this is just still not this story is just still not doing it for me, Dan. I mean, like, and you know, I now feel like we're we're on the other side of it, and we 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 haven't really we haven't answered any legitimate questions about what intent is and where we're going with this. I feel like we're just kind of you know finding ourselves spinning our wheels and getting back into the same spot, and you know, trying to like present it as these dramatic reveals and cliffhangers but in reality when you when you kind of say what what's happened in this story so far we could probably say it about two or two or three sentences tops which you know this many issues in that's not good yeah <laughs> like like there's got to be more going on here there's got to be like what's the deeper point of this whole story and and there is none yeah, it's really not, I think, economical use of pages uh, is what's going on. I mean, I can see if I were sitting down and looking at what was being done, I could see how it was laid out. Like, issue one is introducing, you know, the scenario. Issue two is setting up, you know, the threat of the robots. And issue three is setting up the threat of the villains. And now issue four is telling us that they're going to be fighting each other to the death. And that's the real, like, you know, crux of what the problem for Spider-Man is. That both the hunters and the prey are actually going to be brutally murdering each other. And Spider-Man, our our hero who doesn't want anyone to die, finds himself conflicted by that. And, And then I guess Craven's plan is to make a showcase that like fake hunters and and fake you know animalistic totem characters are just the same in his eyes you know um and that to be a real hunter means i don't know i guess taking down spider-man but i guess this back in the alan when i was talking with alan on on the first issue of this as you said and i don't know why it's taken so long to get us here and all the stuff that i think has really slowed it down has just kind of detracted from that main story if that's really what we're going for. I mean, even here, we're getting interesting wrinkles like 
you know, the lizard and his son and this kind of idea about fatherhood, which I think goes back to Craven and Craju, as Alan Churchill calls him, <laughs> which I don't know if that's going to stick or not. But like to me, it's all it's all besides the point, because the one thing that's missing here is Spider-Man, Peter Parker. What is the story for him other than just his standard morality tale of I can't let people kill each other? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, the, the, the missing link in all this is even with what you were describing in terms of the story and part one, part two, part three, part four is where does Spider-Man fit in? And we have just not had that answer yet. And and we still have this kind of like lingering thing that we keep checking back into, like, well, MJ might be in danger, but we don't even know really how tangible that is and like how one relates to the other. It's just kind of this like thing that's just being floated out there to add to the drama, but it doesn't, it's not organic and it doesn't make sense and it doesn't make me want to f- see how Spider-Man getting you know, dealing with this situation helps him dealing with MJ anymore. It's just, it's, it's just kind of a a mishmash. And, and like you said, like it's this, this, this whole story has this, it's just so obviously missing Spider-Man. There's just no, there hasn't been any Spider-Man moments in this, in this book yet. There hasn't been any like character moments where you're like, ah, this is, this is a Spider-Man moment. I mean, like even something like Spider Island, which at times kind of got a little overblown and stuff like that. There were Spider-Man moments in there. There were Peter Parker moments in that, in that comic. It's just like, I feel like we got neither here and I just don't understand where, like, like if this was just those point one issues where we were looking at these different characters, I mean, I know that's not a narrative per se. They're just little character studies, but at least like, I feel like we're getting some insights into, at least those characters' universes. But, like, then putting this all into the world of Spider-Man, I just don't get what the threat is yet. And and if there's no threat, I don't, I don't understand why I'm trying, why I need to invest my time and energy in this. And I thought the first issue of this story really had that. You know, it had the threat of MJ, at least in Spider-Man's mind, and he felt guilty about, like, the whole, you know, Lizard Jr., Billy Connors stuff. Uh, and, and, and I really kind of lost, yeah, that thread, but it, you know, and I, I planned on getting to this later in the episode, but I think we should just get into it. It's like, you know, uh, in the Nick Spencer run, I can think of like a handful of issues that feel very Peter focused. I'd say the first issue and the boomerang issues really focused on Peter and his relationship with others, but all like at the heart of it was like Peter and his mindset and, I, I guess it's just something that's very confounding to me is like, you know, it's clear Nick Spencer can write Peter when he really sets himself down to, but so many of these books are focused on like the internal mindset of, of these other characters to the point that we have an HU series that's doing exactly that. And I wonder like, wh- why aren't these modern writers, and I guess I'm mostly specific, specifically speaking of Dan Slott and... Um, Nick Spencer, because I think the brand new day era is very Peter centric. Uh, what, why are these guys so afraid of really getting into the mind of Peter Parker? Maybe it's afraid is the wrong word, but it seems like it gets the short end of the stick so often. I mean, yeah, I I don't know if afraid's the word either, but maybe there's, there's a resistance to it. Like, like it's almost like, I, I I feel like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to attribute, assign, meaning or emotions to people that 
I don't know what they're actually thinking, but it, it, it's it's almost like I don't know. Like I, like are these are these people? Do they feel like they can't tell stories with Peter anymore? That there's no new ground they can go, and if that's the case, that's unfortunate. Because I mean, it's like how can, how can you not have come up with new ideas for Peter Parker? You know, but the way that the way that people are kind of fighting and almost making Peter a secondary character in his own book um, makes you wonder. Do they have confidence in telling those stories with this character anymore? That they can tell something new that would make sense. I mean, are they are they afraid that fans are just going to rebel and yell and scream if they if they try and tell new stories with them? I don't know. I mean, maybe is that what it is? <laughs> well, certainly Nick Spencer knows what that's like to be on the receiving end of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I have to admit, like you know, when a character feels static, you know, it it really can zap interest in that character like we are exploring the same themes over and over and over again with the character like if i have to read another story about how spider-man doesn't kill anyone it'll be too soon you know you know what i mean like it's 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 the one theme we keep hitting on and I, i don't know how else we can explore it and you know when alan came on and floated out that or that idea that this story might be about exploring peter's like you know uh like go-to reaction of fearing for MJ and what that means. Like that's an interesting theme to explore that's never really been explored in the pages of this book. And and I could I was more excited for that than anything else because it means pushing the character in new directions. And like that's what's so great about something like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like I've never seen a movie that explores Peter's unwillingness to have a child with MJ and his fears about fatherhood and things like that. I mean, that's exciting um, because I'm finally seeing this character through new eyes. It, it can be the same guy, but but we're seen through a different lens. And, and to me, that's just exciting about Spider-Man comics. But like, m- maybe it's easier to come up with like what a villain, how a villain can change because there's less attributed to changing that character. But yeah, it is. It's a sad day when Peter feels off limits. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. This, this is a phrase that we usually talk about when we're talking about poorly written female characters in 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 fiction but like i feel like peter has no agency in this comic no not at all yeah i mean he's a he's a passive observer of his own story and i just don't get how we've gotten to this point you know like like what what why why are we not taking risks with peter why are we not trying to tell new stories with peter in 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 comic book form um it's it's really disappointing and i wish i had like a more elegant sounding theory as to why that's the case but i don't know i i can't i I, i'm you know i'm sure if you asked some of these writers this they would tell you that of course of course peter has agency and of course and and you know maybe in their mind it is but like i i mean it's clear coming at least from our perspective that like you know I, i he just feels like a passive observer of his own story and and you know, I, I'd like to see more from my favorite character in, in comics. <laughs> I mean, he almost explicitly says it in this issue that, like, he tried to convince the villains in some way and they just ignored him, you know, and he and he can't stop the hunters either. Um, so, like, he runs to the zoo to see Craven and confront him. And so I was like, OK, you know, Peter's making a move. He's going to do the one thing he knows how to do, which is confront the problem but even when he does that, and not to skip ahead, you know, because we're going to get into the details of this book, then he's just bombarded by these, like, I'm guessing clones or maybe robot versions of vermin. And it's like, oh, here's another, you know, new wrinkle 
to put Peter actually taking direct action on pause. Yeah. You know, like how do we stall for time? And like, I don't care about Peter fighting 20 vermin, 40 vermin, a million vermin, you know, <laughs> like call him the exterminator. You know, I, like, I don't know, but like uh, that, that's not thrilling to me. I, I want to see a guy taking action, not responding. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it, it's disappointing. It doesn't really have me excited for the next issue, but um, that's me getting too far ahead. Um, it's just like, it's like, seems like it all turns. There's no way for Peter to actually like be his own protagonist. Yeah. Why don't we talk about some of the finer points of this issue here? So uh, as you mentioned, I mean, we, we uh, kind of as the cliffhanger entailed in the last issue, you know, black ant starts to reveal the plan, so to speak, uh, what what did you think of how this how this sequence played out? I thought it was well laid out from like a character perspective. You know, like the idea of Black Ant discussing how he used to be an Avenger and a good guy, and he's kind of like fallen from grace. And you know, I think it kind of goes into like Craven's plan, which is like, you know, once you're in the jungle, you know, your true instincts really come out. You know, and 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 that. No matter what Black Ant does, every time he tries to be heroic, this kind of animal instinct in him kicks in. And I thought that was interesting. But I, I felt like this was one of the times that like Ramos's art really didn't stand up to portraying that. It was kind of his black ant is kind of silly, and I'm not a big fan of Ramos's black suit Spider-Man. Mm. Uh it's just it doesn't give him enough to really do with the character and and so like seeing the tiny versions of them, I just thought it was kind of silly for the kind of gravity that they were trying to bring to the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you know, there's a time, it's, there's, there are moments where that hyper stylized is maybe not the right emotional, doesn't resonate right emotionally. And I think this was one of those times. Um, the other, the other big thing that we kept coming back to, and I, I don't know, I was kind of lukewarm with this was this idea of like, I feel like, I don't know, there was like extra emotion being assigned to Billy Connors and kind of his relationship to Felicia and to Kurt and I, I don't know like it, like there was just so much like he's a kid he's a kid he's a kid and it's like well I don't know but he got inserted into the story in the first place and and what were you expecting you know what I mean like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so you're talking about like there's a lot made about like fatherhood right like you know in, in issues ago Felicia was like you know like my father abandoned me but I knew he meant the best for me, but you kind of have to like fight on your own. And she's almost like kind of convince Billy to give up on her father or on his father. Mm. But like we, as the audience know that like Kurt actually really does care and is coming after his son. And I, I kind of like this, you know, like he's kind of this like helpless father that, you know, uh, nevertheless is trying to do what he can for his kid. Uh, I, I think it's going to set up a nice potential redemption arc for the lizard that like, I don't want to say makes up for the fact that he ate his son alive, but, uh, you know, it, it's like a reassertion that like his son does matter to him. Now, what did you, what do you think of Felicia's whole relationship though with Billy though? And I mean, to the point that she's willing to take a bullet for him, which seems a little odd. Yeah. I don't know that I buy that in, entirely, but you know, uh, there it is. I mean, it is a kid, and I don't know that we get kids inserted into this book often enough to really suggest like how people would feel about children and protecting children. Like Billy is like the one kid that shows up reliably in Spider-Man comics, if if there is even one. 
Yeah, I, 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 I agree what you're saying. It's just, you know, I guess for me, it's we don't really as as much as we know about Billy, like you said, from past comics as kind of the the, the token kid. I, I, you know, like I don't know, like. I feel like a lot of weight is being put on this character when we really don't truly know a lot about it. I mean, like, it makes sense for Kurt to be going to the end, you know, dragging himself through hell, so to speak, to, to do something for Billy. But, like, the fact that we're supposed to believe that, I don't know, he's kind of, like, captivating all these other characters who otherwise have no relationships with, I mean, with children. I mean, Felicia strikes me as, I mean, she's the ultimate you know, self-preservationist, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah. Um, not that she would necessarily sacrifice a kid to save herself, but the same token, like, I don't, I, I just don't see, I don't see how, where this bond that she has with Billy is coming from and outside of trying to make Felicia look better in light of Felicia not looking good for the last couple of years in the comics. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like, maybe, maybe we're going a little too far in trying to redeem Felicia here. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I, I, I want to give Spencer the credit where it's due and then he tried to do the work, I think, to like establish that there was some kind of bond between them in regards to the relationship to their fathers. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a big move for the character that maybe isn't totally earned. The other big thing involving Billy is that this hunter that like, you know, she sacrifices, you know, herself for, he then like discovers that it's a child and he basically goes like, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. Like, I'm fine with killing adult lizards, but the kids, you know, ones that look like children, I'm not really here for. Uh, what did you think of this moment? I mean, again, I I didn't buy it. I mean, like, I, 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 I get where it's coming from, and it's, and it's like the right thing to do, so to speak, from a storytelling standpoint. But, like, there's nothing with any of these characters to show that there's a conscious there. And, and frankly, like, unless they pay this off in a really big way, this just kind of feels like lip service to me. Again, it's a kid, so it's hard to really say, like, how people respond to, like, a lizard kid. But, like, none of these characters have shown any sympathy to this point. Like, I mean, I'm not going to so quickly forget about the Gibbon stuff. I mean, granted, he's an adult, but, uh, you know, like... Uh, They've not been shown any empathy to this point. I mean, I, I think if there was a way to kind of get these characters to realize what they're doing was bad, like putting that kid in front of them, like should be enough to halt any person. And I can't help but think like with Nick Spencer's kind of like political nature, the idea of like putting a, you know, people in a cage, specifically a kid in a cage and having like someone finally come to their senses when you know, it, 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 it involves like harming children might be like a statement from him. And, and maybe the real world is kind of like hardened people like you and I, Mark, to realize that even children don't, you know, have a a way of stopping people and waking up their hearts. Is, is that any part of it for you? Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I like, and I'm not trying to make it sound like, like I'm trying to be overly cynical. I, I, I guess but yeah, I, I I think my biggest issue is I've seen nothing from these characters that would lead me to believe that there's a soft underbelly there, you know? <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, sure. You know, like I, I, I don't know. I mean like these 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 hunters for the most part have been depicted as these very callow, just awful worst of humanity. And and I guess if we are 
going to be talking about analogs to real world situations, you know, I feel like the 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 worst of humanity and that callowness probably would not be moved by a child right now in pain, you know. So um, why why now, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, there's probably a, like a, an opportunity to really do something here, uh, you know, because like earlier on in the series, we. You know, this exact same character when he was beating up the iguana, you know, talks about how he was bullied, you know, when he was younger, right? I mean, right. like, he he talks about the pain that was inflicted on him, and, and I, I wonder if maybe there was just a brief moment where him standing over this boy would be reminiscent of what happened to him as a child might have snapped him out of it, you know? Like, there's a way to thread that needle a little more artfully, is what, I, what I'm suggesting. Yeah, yeah. So what do we think of some of the the Craven and Kreju stuff in this issue? For me, it's like too little, too late. You know, like it's the same beat of Kreju like freaking out and being like, I won't stand by this that we got in the last issue. And we get like the panel I've been waiting for this whole time, which is like Craven, you know, ripping down on his hand enough to draw blood, which says like, his inaction is part of the plan. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but like to me, that's like an issue two or issue three revelation. Um, like we've been circling this beat over and over and over again. Yep. I, 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 I don't, don't have much to add to that. <laughs> I, mean, <it's> a- <laughs> I mean, it's not enough, but that seems to be the idea here, yeah. you know? And, that's a tough idea to hang your story on because um, you're being withholding to both your audience and the character. And like, I hope that there's another like five wrinkles to Craven's plan or we haven't already figured it out because if we've kind of already figured it out and I don't think it's explicitly stated here, but it's about as explicit as it could be that he's kind of letting these people destroy each other to make a point. It's like, Okay, I got it. Like, I don't feel the need for this writer to keep playing chicken with this. Yeah. And again, where does Spider-Man fit in? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I think this issue says it. Spider-Man fits in by, you know, being the guy that doesn't want people to die or whatever. And right. uh, and again, I, fine. I mean, that's in character, but it's not really enough to hang this whole thing on it for me. If only, if only we got a story from Spider about Spider Man in the last ten years about him not wanting people to die, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we get this scene between Kreju, as I'm continuing to call him, to my okay. uh, my misfortune, um, and uh, <laughs> the lizard. I don't know why Kreju just sounds like a bad slur to me. Like I just. Uh, but but Alan has laid down the precedent, so um, we're sticking to it. I wouldn't argue with Alan. I mean, no, you know. I I think it's smart not to. Um, yeah. So we get this kind of brutal fight between Kreju and the lizard. Uh, you know, basically the lizard can't stand up for himself, so Kreju just lays into him. And I thought for sure he was going to tear out the lizard's inhibitor chip. Did you feel that way? I mean, it seemed to be building in that direction. Yeah. Which was exciting for me because I was like, okay, now the animal is loose. Yeah you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's no way that at some point in this series involving, you know, the lizard, we're not going to get that inhibitor chip to come out. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's just like, you know, the sort of Damocles hanging over his head there. 
I thought this was a cool scene, and I like the kind of like themes of like you're a bad father, and it seems like Kreiji was taking out his thoughts about his own father on the lizard, which is interesting, except for the fact that in the previous .hu issue, the lizard was able to bring himself to fight back. So like, what's the difference here? It seems like we're breaking from precedent. Yeah, I don't got a theory on that one. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we, we've been pointing out inconsistencies in this story. Uh, it seems like every issue, there's at least one of these where we're like, wait, but didn't we? <laughs> Wasn't it this way a few a few minutes ago? But, uh, you know, yeah, I, it's it's not so bad. I mean, like no. there, there, I could no prize it for you right now. I, you know, it's like, you know, he was caught unaware. He was emotionally overwhelmed. He was already in a weakened state. There's like, you know, there's a, like there's a number of things like, you know, Kreju is a better fighter than Vermin. I mean, you know, you could you could, you know whatever, wish your way out of it. Um, but it does seem a little inconsistent. Um, and I would almost lay that on the feet of the other book. Like, what are the rules for, ha- like, he says, oh, I can, I can use my, you know, strength when it's in the defense of someone else, you know, or protecting myself. And it's like, well, you know, this is one of those instances, lizard. Exactly. <laughs> I do like the interesting wrinkle that, like, Kreju brings up like the totemic powers, you know, or the totemic nature of creatures again. And he's like, you know, you're, you're an animal and you've denied yourself your animal instincts and you're using science to really kind of trap the animal. And to me, it got me thinking, you know, that's like Spider-Man, you know, he's the merge between, you know, totemic powers and science as famously laid out in the coming home arc, which we've talked about extensively you know, I was like, okay, like, this is, like, Craven's moment. Like, is he going to be, like, find a way to embrace the animal and the science? And suddenly we've got the amazing lizard man. You know, is, is that where we're going here? <laughs> you're you're really going far with this, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, it, it seems, you know, it's like Spider-Man is science and animal, and this guy is science and animal. I mean, like, if everybody, every character is a reflection, of, all of his villains are reflections of him in some way. Like, this is a guy right. who isn't able to, you know, grasp the, the, the nature between those two things. Right, right. So, Mark, earlier you mentioned that I totally called the visors are bad thing. I don't think it took a genius to call that. I mean... Like, you talk about visors that go over people's heads and they tap into your brain. I mean, duh, they're going to end up hurting these what could people. Be, what could go wrong with that, right? Yeah, I mean, no, <laughs> nothing. Uh, nothing that I could ever imagine. Um, but I did think that the way that this scene was established was pretty effective. You know, like this kind of cutting between the, you know, the villains and uh, I forget the guy's name who is in the mask, you know, who gets basically like torn to shreds by them and beaten up in the kind of like parlor of the Plaza Hotel. Um, you know, I, I, I liked this uh, kind of ver- the brutality of it all. Um, you know, it sets up kind of an interesting threat. I, I just like the way Ramos presented it. Yeah, it was definitely terrifying, you know, in the moment in terms of like, you know, even even if you saw it coming, it, 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 there, it definitely felt unsettling and unnerving uh, in terms of how it was how it was established and, and you know, kind of, others reactions to it um although it does beg the question we did see the vulture with a head of one of these robots a couple issues ago didn't we so what 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 happened there i mean unless was the vulture lying to us again like he like we kind of got a sense that he was doing a couple issues ago when he was lying to the other villains yeah i'm curious like you know maybe he found a decommissioned one or something like that because it would have 
definitely sparked an outrage for the people in the parlor. Although I guess the question is asked if they can see anything going on there. Although they seem to be reacting to the guy getting killed. So, like, was someone else killed earlier? And maybe that's what this, you know, .hu with the vulture that we're getting will really clarify is, like, you know, it's not something I ever wanted clarified because I I didn't really figure anything of it. But now that this context is added, it's like, well, wait a minute. Did he, like, behead someone earlier? And I guess we don't really have that answer. And, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a weird time to do an HU issue for that. But, yeah, uh um, perhaps that'll be the plot of the next issue. Who knows? Anytime I like think I've caught Spencer on like one of these inconsistencies, I feel like he's got something up his sleeve in regards to it. You know, like the spider tracer thing. We were like, well, you know, like what's with the spider tracer and Felicia? And then it was like, well, here's a whole issue about that. Um, I don't know that I love this kind of like revelation after the fact. Right. You know, it's like, well, at least he was thinking about it. Kind of sets up the plot hole and then covers it up in, a, in, a, in an upcoming issue. So, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. So Mark, um, do you want to give a grade for this thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, what I, did I give the last one a C minus? Because that's, I mean, I, I feel like I'm holding steady there at C minus. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like again, I, it's it's not even that I feel that these it's a bad story. I just want to see something more happen, and we're just not getting it. So I mean, you know, C minus. <laughs> Don't you fret, Mark, because I'm down there with you in the dirt. A C minus for me too. I I, I just like I, I'm I'm tired of these event stories. I feel like they all work out the same way, which is like promising start, and then nothing for four issues, and then the final issue we finally get something. It's like maybe three issue long stories that get stretched out endlessly. And, you know, uh, I think at the end of this, we'll all remember the dot HU issues and go, maybe it was worth it for that. You know, Dan, there are so many issues of hunted to talk about that. We had to cram even more into this episode. I don't like to do episodes that are over two hours. <laughs> I really don't, Dan. <laughs> like, that's not just in the script. I yell at you when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Mark gets really angry. You just you do not want to be on the end of his kind of abusive trot tirades. But, like, just me saying this is pushing us closer to that limit. So, like, just, just I'm going to stop talking. Yeah, let's get to our review of Amazing Spider-Man number 20.hu. <laughs> Mark, you and I have been pretty thrilled with these hunted storylines. I mean, like, for what they are. You know, they've been kind of like, for me, the heart of Amazing Spider-Man for the past few months. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I agree. I mean, like, these are definitely been more of, like, the character-centric kind of deep dives uh, into uh, – the villains, I guess, that are, are part of this storyline or, or anti-heroes, where the case may be. Um, this one, of course, is focused on the vulture and it kind of keeps playing on that idea. I mean, I think independently in a vacuum, it's a pretty decent issue again. But like, you know, trying to put this in this in terms of the context of the larger structure of this hunted story, which I feel I think the larger story you and I have had some issues with, I find this issue specifically to be a little problematic. So I don't know if you kind of are on that train with me or not, but we can we can get into why I think that. But I mean, for the most part, like there's just something structurally and sequentially off about the placement of this thing. Uh, and and I kind of feel like, I mean, this is the, I think this is the last HU, right? 
It is. So I, I, you know, like as much as I've been enjoying these, I'm, I'm kind of off this train and I, I just want, I, I just want hunt something to happen and hunt it finally. And, and maybe now we can get it, but, um, this kind of just plays into the issues we've been having in the larger story about what is the actual point of this storyline. I have three distinct thoughts on this issue that I want to get into first uh, that kind of determine my feelings about it. One is that on the last like normal issue review, I essentially guessed what this issue would be about, which is like how Vulture got the head of that robot, right? Which I still don't think has been totally cleared up in regards to why the people in the Plaza Hotel didn't freak out earlier about one of their uh, – you know, compadres or peers or whatever getting killed. So, okay. So at least we're clear, cleaning up some kind of continuity thing halfway. Right. And I guess we got an answer for the vermin thing, which we'll get to when we talk about the backup story here. Well, we got a backup story to a dot .hu yeah. issue. You know you're buried deep. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, they really want you to go hunting for the, for the storylines here, right, Dan? But I'm changed. I, I, I kind of hate you a little bit, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let it slide so I can get to my next point. Okay. Which is that, like, I'm really of two minds about this book. Because, like, I was totally okay with the timeline flashbacky nature of this for, like, 90% of the book, where it seemed to be revealing that, like, what we had been seeing up to this point had a more interesting, le- you know, layer of complications to it, which we'll get into, but I'm specifically referring to that Arcade was kind of seemingly trying to undermine Craven in some way, which seemed in character for that for that guy. And then my opinion on this issue, I don't think it did a complete flip-flop, but it was definitely soured a bit by the final page, which reveals, oh no, Craven was setting Arcade up to do that, which, like, to me, neutered this issue a great deal because all of the new mechanics that we have in play, you know, are kind of just cut off. And we're kind of back to where we were when the issue started, which is that the Vultures leading a force of people to fight against the Hunters yeah, there might be an added complication in regards to his motivations of this, but, like, I don't care. It made sense to me before why he was doing it. So, like, it's like, I, I like this issue, and then suddenly I was like, oh, uh, nothing really changed. Yeah, I, and, and that's and that's where my my larger issue with, with this and the storyline in general comes in. It's that we're, we're, I, I feel like... It's not even like two steps forward, one step back. I feel like we're one step forward, one step back, like through every issue of the story one way or another. And, and it's really starting to become problematic. And I, and, and I think, you know, to the larger point, it's not that I have an issue with these timeline stories, uh, t- flashback stories, uh, per se, but like in terms of th- thinking about the timeline and the construction of this arc, you know, like to me, like, like this is the last of these sidebar issues and, you know, we're, we're, we're getting into, we got one more month of storyline left. I mean, we got what, two issues of ASM left after this, I think, to, to wrap this thing up. And I'm sure there'll be some kind of epilogue of some of, sort. Of course there will be. Mark. Yeah. There'll be a, an alpha omega issue or something. I, I'm sure. But, but like to me, like we're now in the third act of of this play, you know, of a three act play. Granted, we haven't had a ton of progression to get to three acts, but like in terms of the timing, we should be there. And like going back to like the vulture and his motivations. I mean, like I feel like the vulture and, you know, leading the gang of villains against the the hunters like that was like three or four issues ago in ASM that that whole 
thing came up. And like to me, this is like we're getting the setup to Act Two, where the where we're getting the setup for Act Three instead. Whereas the lizard issue that we got in the last dot HU, to me that feels like more of a of an Act Three setup. It's like okay, well now we got this new unpredictable wild card entering the fray that's really going to throw things on its hair on its head and yet i feel like we're not really getting enough of the lizard here like what does the lizard entering have to do with anything like like i i we're we're not moving the story forward dan that's the problem we we just like spencer refuses to move the story forward and i don't get it like what what are we trying to achieve here with these and we maybe get five pages of really new material with the vulture here. Maybe it's a little more, but we have spent so much time setting up the context in which this conversation occurs. With all the time we kind of have been, you know, spending treading water in the main series, I bet we could remove some of that and throw this into another story. Like, I don't think anything in this is so essential that it, like, I mean, I mean, it would have been interesting to have in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man proper instead of these .hu issues, without having to, like, you know, recouch it, reframe it, just have it play out in those pages, you know, Um, like, right after the Gibbon stuff, you know. Uh, And to me, like, yeah, it's like both, it's it's substantial enough that it's interesting, but also insubstantial enough that I didn't need to spend a whole issue on it. Um, Like, to me, this is like the first of these .hu issues where, like, I enjoyed reading it, but it really felt like if I didn't get this, I really wouldn't be missing much. Whereas, like, the Gibbon stuff felt really like, a, a, you know, essential, like character stuff, really like sold a lot of the kind of dramatic irony or tragedy of this story. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think all the, the first three HUs felt essential in their own right. Like I, I, I am, will admit because it kind of came out during my um, my move into my house. So I was very, very disoriented. I actually read um, the Black Cat HU after the 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 ASM that had followed it. And I was definitely like, when Black Hat showed up, I was like, oh, wait, what did I miss? And I had, so I had to go back. I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> so like, and and I certainly, I feel it would have been the same with the, both the Gibbon and the Lizard issues. But yeah, like this, this, like, you know, I couldn't tell, like, we're basically, like you said, we're, we, we have this kind of set up with Arcade where, wait, is he going to betray Craven? And then it's like, oh, no, he's just setting up what we knew he was setting up from the first place, which is he just wants everyone to kill each other. Like, like who cares? Like, we know this already. Like, why are we, why are we spending an issue talking about what we already know? And, and I will admit, like, in the moment, I thought that stuff was really well handled. Like, Arcade is written really like Arcade. Like, even his whole new plan with the Vulture and that whole hunter-killer thing it's like a video game, you know. He wants in a war of attrition, and he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get it. And that also lines up with Craven's plan. Like I, I get it. I just don't know that I needed this clarified for me. It feels like Nick Spencer's interests are very different than yours and mine, Mark. In this story, like he really wants to explain why everybody is doing everything. And for me, I'm like, I'm okay with the comic book shorthand. Like I get why these people are doing this. I don't need to know that they've been fooled or there's some kind of device that allows them to overpower the robots in larger numbers. I mean, unless it does come into play, which, you know, Spencer isn't one to introduce dangling threads and then not have them pay off. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting because I feel like sometimes when you get these decompressed stories, they're almost written with like that, with the trade paperback or like a Marvel Unlimited mind where someone's just going to binge on all these comics together and kind of just blow through it. And I can get that and appreciate that. But like, there's so much like going over the same old material and kind of like 
fake fake head head twists and stuff like that. Like I, I like there's even a part of me that's wondering how is this going to read collected because like it, it like. I, I feel like I'd be frustrated reading a collected where I'm just like, well, well, I just read this. Why am I reading this again? You know, like, like we're, 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 we're moving glacially and we're also recapping glacially. Like, like, you know, like it just doesn't seem to make sense for me. Well, to that point, and this has been like my experience of hunted in a nutshell, there is like two panels in this issue where arcade like sits the vulture down and he's like, let me explain to you what's going on here. So, but bear with me. It's very complicated. And then he like lays out everything that we've learned and hunted thus far, which takes like a panel. And then he goes, actually, it was really simple. You, you know, like he, he's, he's like correcting himself. Oh, this is not as complicated as I, as I once thought. And it's like, yeah, it, I don't know if that's Spencer being like meta and commenting on his own kind of, storytelling here it would be very weird for him to mid story be like realizing that like perhaps he's paced this inappropriately you know but like that that arcade can sum everything up and then go actually it's a lot more simple than than i initially put out is like this weird meta commentary on my problems with hunted as summed up in the mouth of arcade yeah i mean it's like again What's the actual goal that Craven is trying to achieve here? And we've been speculating since the beginning that it's it's going to be forcing Spider-Man's hand to kill him in some way, right? So it's like, this just all seems like this very overly convoluted way to get to a simple solution for Craven, which is he wants Spider-Man to kill him. So like, why is he doing all these weird machinations to do that that don't seem to make sense and don't seem to be adding up in any kind of way when there's probably just a more simple way of like, you know, I don't know, kidnap Mary Jane and be like, kill me or she dies. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be a simpler way to do this. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we're going to cut the Gordian knot here, Craven. What are you doing? <laughs> I just feel like this is like a four issue story that's just really been dragged out. But I think we've been saying that. And so now I feel like I'm saying the same things over and over again in these reviews. And like, I'm playing into this as well. It's all it's all part of the game, Dan. We're 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 we're, we're under the bubble too, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Who will die, Mark or Dan? That's, yeah, that's where we're at. Thunderdome. So let, let's talk about this backup story. Oh yeah, here we so go. We, into so the we backup. got Vermin. I mean, again, like it's it's funny, and we we talked about this in our um in our main our main feed with with jmd where and i think we talked about this the last time out which is like you know we bring vermin into the story because and there's kind of like this meta play about well it's a craven story so vermin has to be in and i'm kind of like no vermin is a jmd creation like i feel like jmd should be writing him because again like i i feel like this this version of vermin kind of misses the boat of who the character is it's like it, it just feels off you know like like i don't quite think that this is the character that spencer thinks he is you know oh i don't remember vermin ever like really like longing for company or his mother like here he's crying out for his mother and i don't know if it's some kind of twisted play but even that doesn't seem like vermin like he vermin to me is just kind of like a character that like hungers he's just kind of in the sewer being a rat and scavenging and pulling you know helpless women into the sewer to cannibalize you know, like that's who Vermin is to me. I mean, we get a little more of that in like the Child Within storyline that JMD wrote. Because like if you remember, Vermin plays into that. So that's that's not a Craven story. That's a Norman. That's a Harry and Peter story, you know. And, and, and Vermin is kind of like, you know, with Dr. Kafka is kind of like this third angle. And there's there's more of that torment. But like, yeah, like, like I said, I, I, I think 
the issue here is Spencer's trying to bring some of that in, but like also I think wants to kind of establish Vermin as the character you're talking about, and it's 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 all coming across as very uh, dissident and not not making much sense in terms of who the character is as a whole. It's this kind of this mishmash of like small little ideas that he's been pulling from past stories, none of it actually seemingly being symphonic and how it's put together. So Vermin like gives up the lizard, you know, in like, which seems like some kind of power play. I, I don't really know what he hoped to gain out of that, but you know, so Arcade is turned on to the lizard's treachery. Um, and then he like injects Vermin with this like serum that causes him to like, Go undergo mitosis. That's the best way I can put it. Um, and Why not? There are, there are now a bunch of vermin, which like, okay, like a rat, you know, horde that we saw. At least we know where those things came from. And I have to admit, I have some kind of um, warm feelings that like, at least they're not robot vermins, because I don't think that I could have handled that. <laughs> Robo vermin. <laughs> I don't know why that that's the line that, that I'm drawing here. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, th- that's uh, okay, fine. Now there's a pack of vermin. I don't re- like, again, th- 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 I think I said this in the last thing. I don't really care all that much about Vermin. He was always the weakest part of these stories to me. And like, eh, fine. I'm okay with it. Right, right, right. Anything else you want to say about these comics? Or do we want to just, just call it call it a day here? <laughs> I think the less said, the better. I, I'm, I'm ready to just like, okay, where's that amazing Spider-Man? I, I will admit, I drove to my comic shop this week. Didn't even bother checking because their their schedule has been so regular. Right. But I thought there was a new issue this week, and there wasn't. And you know, I was disappointed in myself for one. But you know, this is the first time they've really kind of missed a week. And you know, I I, I don't know if it's that I'm excited for the issue more than I'm like it's like regular. You know, it's like it's right. like a bowel movement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> there's there's that, but like there's a part of me like even if it's not because I'm like super excited about the story, it's I I, I kind of want to like figure out. When are we just gonna get the? When are we just gonna get the play here? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, cause that, it's that's like, where I'm at. I'm just eager to like have it happen, whatever yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, let's let's get to it and let's let's and then we can maybe move on because it seems like you know all the shush stuff that was kind of getting set up early. That's not gonna come until after Hunted is over. And I, I I gotta be honest, I'm far more fascinated with that right now. Like like where are we going with that? Uh, this story is kind of, I mean, even going back to the very, very first appearance of Craven in this run, I don't know. I, I feel like it, this wasn't necessarily done with the best execution in mind. And now it's, that's just all manifesting itself in how the story is playing out. So my evocation of the regularity of bowel movements, I think is a little harsh, but, uh, <laughs> but so forgive me. That's not really how I feel about these stories, but yeah, let's, let, let's actually discuss how we feel. Mark, what grade are you giving this? I'm, I'm going to give it a C, which I mean, you know, I know I've been kind of trashing it, but it's not, like I said, in, in vacuum, it's not a bad story. It's fine. But like, you know, in the larger context, I, I, I have to knock it down a few pegs. So that's where I'm at. And I'm giving it a C plus. I think there was a world where like I would have given this a B if it was like earlier. In the I agree. Absolutely. I agree 100 percent with that. If this, if this showed up maybe a month earlier, I'd probably be right there with you. You know, Dan, just to go back to what we were talking about before a review there, I mean, it's one thing when the episode runs long because I'm just being irreverent and dumb. 
But it's the other when it's our gab during the issue reviews when it goes long. So I don't know. We probably got a little of both here in this episode. So <laughs> so I'm going to just say thank you for joining us for part two of our Hunted Review Roundup of the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. Uh, now that we are finally on the other side of that, Dan, what's down the pike for us in the future? Well, if all things come together, next week we've got an interview with none other than Eric Larson from the 90s, following up Todd McFarlane, all about his new Spider-Man book, which is insane to even say that an image, the head of image is doing a Spider-Man book that he's writing and drawing. And he's going to talk to us about his past work on the title in the 90s, which is exciting. We've not really talked to any of these kind of creators yet. I mean, I talked to Todd McFarlane in real life, but I couldn't include it on the show. Yeah, I mean, probably the closest we got was Bagley and, of course, David Michelinie, who talked about his relationships with all these, like, you know, star-studded artists of the 90s. But, like, to hear from one of them themselves is going to be a cool experience. I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I literally like I'm pins and needles over here. And also for our Patreon subscribers, I mean, you just heard these reviews, but be sure to check our Patreon page and your podcast feed this week where we already got special reviews of the entire Nick Spencer run through issue number 24. So for just $3.99 a month, the price of a new comic, you'll get access to our exclusive new issue reviews, B-book reviews, and more. And for $10 or more a month, you'll get access to some awesome commissioned artwork, this time from Barry Kitson as he depicts the tremendously sad and distraught moment where Spider-Man learned of Gwen's demise. How dare you, Jerry Conway, make this moment happen so that we would then recommemorate it with a commissioned piece from the great Barry Kitson. How dare he? Damn it, Jerry. Plus, if you're really into shouting at Jerry Conway, we've got the amazing Spider Slack where you can at least do it in the shelter of our own community. Yeah, just check out the show notes on this uh, podcast and there should be a link there for our amazing Spider Slack. Click on that link, sign up. We got over 200 people in our Slack talking Spider-Man all the live long day. It's a great time to be a Spider-Man fan, especially with the release of Spider-Man Far From Home. So go on over there, talk spoilers with us about Spider-Man Far From Home or ignore it and don't do that if you haven't seen the movie. Mark, this time you've actually seen the movie. So that's good news. You can come join us in there. I'm on the Slack like every six months, so maybe maybe I'll do it do it this time. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Well, I'm having a good time there. But Mark, if people other than the Slack every six months want to see you on the internet, where can they find you? Well, you know, you can find me every three months on Twitter at JasonASMLock. Uh, I'm really good at social media, folks. I'm I'm great. Or uh, you could buy my book, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, which is most definitively not a social media thing. It's a book. You you open pages. It's there. It's there forever. What about you, Dan? Where can we find you? <laughs> Some of these congressmen hope that their social media isn't there forever, but that's a whole other uh, conversation. Yes, I'm on social media, hopefully not setting up myself for future failures in the form of like undignified public office ruination. Yes, I'm at, at Sup Spider Talk on Twitter. So come say hi to me there. If you do come and join me on there, one of the things that I make all of my followers say is our motto. It's almost like this weird cult I'm forming. Mark, what is the motto that I have them recite? It's just like the sun and moon cult from the uh, last episode, Dan. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. I am uh, Brother Power, and I'm looking for my own sister moon. All right. Well, until you find them, let me just say, with great podcasts must also come the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. Don't, don't miss the next